Welcome to Word of Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is uh, September 7th, 2022. We're ready to begin our worship service. Let's have prayer. Thank you, Father, for this time we have this evening. We thank you for life, health, and strength, and we pray as we uh, open up your word that you will give us wisdom, wisdom so that we can understand how to live our lives and, and the way you would have us uh, walk in this world that we live in to, with so many twists and turns in it. Father, I want to pray for uh, for Fred. I'm lifting Fred up right now. He's having some procedures tomorrow, asking for calm and peace in his heart uh, so that as he goes through whatever it is ahead of him, he goes through with confidence. Also, Father, we're praying for other situations that are in our body as well. We're praying for Dave. We're praying for his family, Cherise in particular. And Lord, you know, you know what's on the hearts, our hearts as well. And all the rest who may be sick among us that I may not have mentioned, praying for them as well. Also, for those who are grieving at this hour for the loss of loved ones. So, Father, we, as we come, we just want to thank you for bringing us together so that we can fellowship in the Word this evening. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so... We are, uh, we have been, as you know, studying in the book of Romans. We're in chapter 11. You should have notes. We are in the middle uh, of Romans 11, 19 and 20 verses. So uh, I was looking, looking to see where we were. We were, I think we we're about five months in. Uh, in Romans 11, so so far. That's not too bad. I think we're doing pretty good. Just if we can get through a few verses here, a few verses there, before you know it, we'll, we'll, have, we'll be done with Romans 11. And I was lo also looking at our study on Sunday. And after we finish verse 24, we only have two verses left in John 17, so we're just thinking about our next direction as well. Lord, we'll figure that out. But we are in Romans 11 tonight, verses 19 and 20. Let's get into it. We'll pick up where we left off. Uh, so it says, you will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted. But they were broken off because of unbelief. And <clears throat> you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. The greatest deterrent to our spiritual growth <clears throat> is our own ideas of where we think we should be going. Those who walk by faith are living by the word of God, trusting and depending on it for their direction. The spirit of truth is leading the way to tell us what the word means and only then can we follow by faith Israel lost their way and trusted their to their own way so much that God God's way didn't make sense to them anymore the life of faith is trusting God for our direction and not to quote lean to our own understanding unquote that's Proverbs 3 5 and so it was with Israel. They turned from the way of grace to their own way. Quote, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions, unquote. That's Proverbs 18.2. So we didn't get very far on last week because we still had to cover some of verse 18. But as we did cover that, and we got right into verse um, 19, this is where we are. So we're in 19, and you will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. 
And so that's, um, we, I think we left off around point E, but I'll just review a little bit. Point C. Branches were broken off. God, God did discipline Israel severely. They were broken off because of unbelief, as we will continue to discover in this chapter. Right? So, uh, you will say then. So, in other words, this whole you will say then thought is how Gentiles might develop an attitude of arrogance. Because they now hear and understand the gospel and understand the calling that God has given us in terms of picking up Israel's slack, you could say. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good way to say it, but, but picking up where Israel stepped away because of their discipline and disobedience. Um, here, here we are. God has given us that role to be sure that we not only receive the gospel ourselves, but that we are ambassadors, ministers of reconciliation to everybody who we come into contact with in this world, that we're able to give a word of, of, of gospel, good news. And so what I find is, as I thought about this, I said, well, if God is using this tone with Gentiles. When he says Gentiles, he means it, we're not talking about the nation Israel. And how would Jews characterize us? Gentiles. But really, we know in Christ there is no Jew and there is no Gentile. We know that that's... that's and that comes from the Apostle Paul. So, why would God tell us um, that we have to be careful of arrogance. It's because, you know, the Jews were very arrogant toward Gentiles. I mean, it was a major fight between Jews and Gentiles. They hated one another. Now, you might say the Gentiles didn't have the same disdain for the Jew, but uh, they saw the superiority and arrogance that the Jews expressed toward them and they basically returned it in kind. So there was this tit-for-tat going on. The Jews uh, thought they were better. Gentiles uh, constantly berating the Jews and teasing them and uh, picking at them constantly, uh, doing things that they, that <laughs> they knew would cause uh, ruckus with Jews. Uh, so they would constantly be at each other's uh, throats. It was it was pretty rough in the first century. That's what, what we're dealing with here. And then you have God calling the church in all of this. And then what do we have? We have a division, even in the church. You had some people in the church who thought that we should be going back to the Mosaic Law. We had other people in the church who thought hey, we got this new age that has dawned, and here we are with this new information. We're not under the law, and so forth, and so on. So I've said all that to say, uh, we have to be careful that we, if Paul is giving us this message, be careful that we're not arrogant. And he goes, he's going to go through all the reasons why. If he's giving us this message, that means we can duplicate the very mistakes that Israel did. We can see ourselves as superior to the other nations, to other people who are not saved. It is very possible that we could get out of line just like Israel did. You said, well, how could you say that? I mean, the church, we're, we're doing our job, aren't we? Well, I wouldn't have to give this warning too that the church is in my opinion going in the same way Israel is going has gone because of arrogance Israel used the mosaic law as a wedge that they used to uh, to to judge the world and I see the church using their own standards as a wedge to judge the world 
instead of uh, them giving grace and the gospel and telling them that God is not counting their sins against them. And uh, what are they doing? They're telling the world about their sins. They're constantly pointing out that, hey, we're Christians and you ought to have the same standards as we have. When really, that is not. We, we discussed this the other day. That when it comes to salvation, God does not have any standards. You come exactly as you are. And there is no other way to come. Because God wants you to recognize who you are so that you understand that you need salvation. You are not to go to the world telling them about their sins. That's what Israel did. Israel said, well, they're not keeping the law. How could they possibly be justified before God? Look at they're even breaking every commandment. Uh, things that God has said to us are detestable. Gentiles are doing them. How can Gentiles possibly be saved? This is the Jews' mindset. And they said, we're not, we just won't associate with them. We'll separate ourselves. Well, Christians have basically done the same thing in our day. I wouldn't say all Christians, but enough of them that the world has reacted to the Christian world with hatred. Just as we were just talking about how the Jews and the Gentiles fought and were at each other's throats. So we could be in the same kind of danger that those Jews were and how they failed. And the warnings are not just, well, just be careful. No, the warnings are watch out because if you're arrogant, you could be cut off just like Israel. So we have to know that whatever happened to Israel, don't, let's not assume that God will not discipline the church at all. He will discipline the church, as we will see in the coming verses. So let's get back to it. So this is, we're in the notes. We're in 11. We're in verse, yeah, point number two, rather. I think we just looked at verse C. So point D, so that I could be grafted in. This speaks of Gentiles admiring the position Israel had that they wanted to be Israel. And we, we see this as well. We see the, the church today mimicking Israel. And they, in all of this, they refuse to accept their call. God has a special call for the church. We have a special message to the world. It is not the same message Israel had. Uh, with regard to salvation, yes, it is. It's supposed to be grace. And uh, if we don't have that same message to the world of grace, we fail at that part of our calling. So Gentiles can fail. The church can fail. Instead of the church recognizing Israel's failure and distancing themselves as far away as possible from it, what are they doing? They're embracing Israel as though, oh, you know, the heritage of Israel, the glory of Israel. Let's go and talk about David. Let's talk about Daniel. Let's talk about Ezekiel. Let's talk about this other one here. Whichever one they like, they're in the Old Testament using it for object lessons for the church, uh, trying to help people understand how we ought to be obedient because this is what they, God said to the Israelites and so forth. All of that is this occupation with Israel is where I believe the church still is uh, mimicking the glories of Israel instead of accepting the glories that belong to the church so it's so here he's saying well so uh, you will say then branches were broken off so that i can be grafted in this is paul trying to figure well what would the gentile think about his his this new position that he's in what would he think about it he might get the big head might become arrogant and why uh, because Gentiles 
even though they hate the Jews, they're impressed by them. And they uh, want to emulate them. Point E. Let's keep going. Grafted in. It speaks of the church temporarily playing the role Israel refused to play. Right? So, so the, this, is, this is really, it's true. Branches were broken off and uh, God did graft in others. Now, why are we talking about it? We said the olive tree, we, branches broken off the olive tree, branches grafted into the olive tree. That is, the olive tree represents Israel, with whom, and Christ is the very root of the olive tree, you might say, because he's the gospel. Right? It's him. He did the work necessary for anybody, whatever dispensation they're in, to be saved. He did all the work. So, But Israel... It's their responsibility. So by us taking this responsibility, listen, even though that's true, we should know as church-age believers that this responsibility belongs to Israel. It is not our responsibility. It's theirs. And as we already uh, discussed, they will again assume this. So we are temporarily taking this, but don't think that we're taking it and it now belongs to us as though, you know, we're, we're the original. No, Israel is God's original idea of how, uh, one, how he would uh, use them uh, to be the priest nation to all the other nations of the world. They will continue to play that role as soon as the church is removed from the world. And you got to remember, we're not of this world. That's what we're we're not called to be of this world. Christ says they are no longer of this world any more than I am of this world. We are not of this world. We belong. We're heavenly people, but we have a mission down here, and we have to make sure that one we don't repeat the mistakes Israel had, and two we maintain our fidelity not only to grace, but to the to to making sure that we are witnesses of this grace, even in the midst of crooked and perverse generation. So, so we yeah, it's true. Yeah, we're temporarily playing the role Israel refused to play. Point F. Let's keep going. The question in eleven one really should have been now eleven one. Let's just review it again, just so. Uh, Everybody is on the same page. Romans 11.1 1 says, I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. And I'm just throwing this out. The question in 11.1 1 should have been, has Israel rejected God who called them? And really, that's more a more appropriate question because that's what happened. God has always been there holding out his hand to Israel. I don't think that there was ever any different. He was always there. Uh, but Israel rejected the way of grace. And that's clear to me. You know, so the question could be turned around instead of, uh, has God cast away Israel? It should be, has Israel discarded God and God's way of grace? So that, that is a, problem, a more appropriate question, if you ask me. Point G. Remember, the church is not Israel and will never be. I'm just going to ask everyone to put their phone on mute. I do hear some background noise. So, um, so this is we're in point G. Remember, the church is not Israel and will never be. Why do I have to keep saying that? It's because so many people think that even though we're playing this role where we we do have this mantle of going out and giving the gospel and this responsibility of ambassadors for Christ, that somehow the only purpose for the church is to give go out and, and, and speak the words of the gospel. It is not. The church has a more defined role. And, and in fact, we could say that the church is the Father's eternal purpose it is 
if you think about what Israel is, and we can understand what their purpose is in the world, and how Christ came through Israel, and they were the priest nation to the world, and so forth and so on. Well, the church has a distinct purpose, being the eternal purpose. I do hear some background noise. Stand by. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I'll fix it. Yeah, no worries. So the church has uh, that responsibility to pick up where Israel left off, but not to take, get the big head, but to realize that we're going to eventually give this back. And that we're not only here because we're here to give the gospel. We're here to grow in grace and to come to the full knowledge of the truth. God expects that you grow up in your salvation. He, there, and there are specific things that he wants you to know and to understand about yourself and what he made of you. What it is to be in Christ. You are a new creation, never before seen. What is that like? Who, what properties uh, are those who are in Christ? What, what do they have? <clears throat> what can we do? What, what did God make of us? All those are questions that we should be trying to hash out in the scriptures that, that are given to us. And the spirit of truth is revealing. So we're not Israel. We're not, just because we're playing this role uh, where we're giving out the gospel like Israel did, it does not mean we have turned into Israel. All right, point, that was point G, we're going to H. The controversy early in the first century was that many thought the church was to be subject to Israel. And the rejection of the church's distinctiveness. Now, just get this, now. The first century, it was plagued with problems. I know a lot of churches, uh, they talk a lot about Pentecost and Acts and all that went on. Uh, for them, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2 is common in their church because they love you know, what happened there in Acts chapter 2, the beginning of the church age. <clears throat> but not for the same reasons that we might. So... They think a lot of, not them in particular, but this is a, a consensus among some believers or so-called church members today, that they think, yes, the church is, is here, but we ought to be subject to Israel. Yeah, they said, well, we're not under the law, but we still are under the tutelage of Israel. We got to go back to Israel to find out how to give or how to worship or how, what we should be doing. Uh, how to obey, to go back to the Ten Commandments, the whole... They think that whatever we are as a church, we are subject to Israel. Like Israel is, is primary, God's purpose, church is secondary. And that's incorrect. The church is primary. <laughs> when we look at... The reason why Israel even exists is because of the church, not the reverse. Right? So that's... We are God's eternal purpose, right? This is the reason why God created all things, including Israel. It's because of who we are and bringing many sons into glory. It is not the reverse. But a lot of people think it is, right? And this was a huge controversy. They did not want to de depart from the Mosaic Law. And you have a lot of churches today picking certain parts of the Mosaic Law as their distinctiveness to say, well, well, we're going to obey these rules from the Old Testament. These are the ones we think are important. Other churches saying, no, 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 uh, these are the ones that are most important. And it's that controversy was even more staunch in the first century because there were Christians who were saying, we ought to obey the whole Mosaic Law, and we ought to just not even understand or accept that the church is distinct at all. So I give you a couple scriptures here. One is Galatians, uh, no, well, Acts 15, which we have read many times. I will just read it. And why, why do I throw this out? Because this was, in, this is in the word of God to let us know what was the temperature in the early church. Uh, Acts 15.1, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers. 
unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Wow. Can you, what kind of gospel is that? The Mosaic law didn't save anybody, never did in the Old Testament. And yet you have people, who, these, these so-called believers who came down from Antioch and they were teaching believers um, that you had to be circumcised according to uh, the custom taught by Moses. You otherwise, you cannot be saved. Being saved was to be a convert to Judaism. You had to be circumcised, and if you go down to verse 5, then some of the believers who belonged to, that, to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. Now there you have it. This is not some convention somewhere where believers and unbelievers get together. These were respected people in the church, and there were all of these different opinions that uh, were popular. I'll just read uh, 2 through 5, Acts 15. It says, This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. This is where we get the Jerusalem Council. The church sent them on their way, and they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, and they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. And we already read verse 5. I, I won't belabor it, but We'll go right to the Galatians passage. But just to note, you do see that there was a controversy in the early church. And the controversy was that people did not want to depart from the Mosaic Law. They wanted, they wanted the church to be under the law. Well, obviously that didn't prevail. Uh, this is uh, Galatians 5. <clears throat> We're going to look at 1 through 4. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is, he is obligated to obey the whole law, which is impossible, first of all. <laughs> impossible. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. So what it means is they have, instead of grace being their standard, they have drifted off course from grace and now have adopted the law. This was a problem. Um with the Galatians, how they were easily swayed. Uh, so Paul came and preached grace. They were saved. There was Everything was going fine. But then here comes these Judaizers. Uh, and they started telling the Galatians that, well, what Paul told you about grace, yes, but he didn't tell you about keeping the law and being circumcised. You need to be circumcised. And here the Galatians' heads were on swivels. They didn't know what to think. Many of them we're starting to believe uh, that, you know, these Judaizers were correct. So Paul had to write this letter, and this letter was pretty, pretty firm in many areas. So that's that's one thing. We're in point. That was point H. Just to, it, this was a controversy. So while we are kind of distanced from that now, we're not so much the Jewish. Uh, Influence is not like it was before uh, in the early church, I would not say. But we have other influences that are just as strong. Point I, let's keep moving in our notes. Many rejected the calling of the church, and while they knew they were not under the law, they continued only in Israel's shadow. And I would say that's where a lot of the people are today in the church. They, uh, and, and as a result, by thinking that you're in Israel's shadow, that that is the word of, word of God for us, 
right? It's to us, but it's not for us. They have rejected the revelation that is for us, which is this mystery, which was <laughs> it's interesting. The mystery was hidden from Israel. They didn't know anything about a mystery, but it is now revealed, right? You would think we would be clinging to that, that that would be exciting to us, but not so much to the church for some reason. I don't know why. I, it's, all I can say is Satan is busy because it is the word of God. We, and we have the spirit of truth to accentuate those things. And yet, many have, they, they live in the shadow of Israel. It's all about Israel. And a lot of these churches, you know, they, they start out telling you about grace and this. And next thing you know, Open your Bibles to Ezekiel. Open your Bibles to Numbers. Open your Bibles to Exodus. The, the way of life that they are teaching is the way of life of an Israelite. And I don't care how many scriptures you study in Israel, you will never be an Israelite. That is not your calling if you're in this age. I, I, can, I can tell you that for certain. Okay, so let's keep going. Branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Point number three is granted. Yeah, okay, all right. That that did happen, but not in the way you, you're saying it. But they were broken off because of unbelief, okay? So granted means that is what happened. Israel is on pause. That's true. And the church is now picking up the roll, the slack, you could say. That's true. Granted, yes. But it is not because you, Gentiles, are really something. Verse 21. So let's go back and look at, let's keep with the context. Romans eleven twenty one says, For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. So we're nothing special, right? You might say, well, <laughs> Israel, they were cut off. Their branches were cut off. I'm cut in. I'm now grafted in so God you know I must really be something no no uh, it's a ministry and anything you know we're talking about we've been blessed with this ministry but it, it blessing as I said before what does blessing mean it means responsibility we are responsible to God <laughs> if, if you understand blessing and people understood blessing in this way, we wouldn't be trying to get blessed so much because people don't really want responsibility. I don't think they do. I don't think they, they want to be on the hook with God, as Israel was. Uh, they were disciplined severely. Uh, we, we, knew, we saw that, how they were cut off because they were responsible to God. And now, you Gentiles, <laughs> church, we are responsible to God. That is for sure. So, we're not really something. We, we, don't get, you know, beside yourself because you know the gospel. And it seems like the Jews are blind to the gospel. You, you, you would see the majority of those who are Jews are, are blind. They're like, oh, no, we can't. If you, if you mention Christ, it's a controversial thing among Jews, I mean, they, you know, it's, it's, it divides. And Christ said, "I did not come to send peace on earth, but a sword. I have come to turn the father against his daughter, and the daughter against the mother, and so forth." I can understand what Christ was saying there. As soon as he his name is mentioned, controversy ensues. Well, we should know that they were not broken off because of us, like God wanted to put us in. No, the point was that the Jews were disciplined because of unbelief. God had enough. He had it up to here. And my hand's up to my chin here, which you can't see. But he had it up to here. And he said, that's it. I'm taking them out. And at the same timing was the timing where God brought forth the church. Now, the Jews are not taken out. Remember, Paul says, I'm a Jew. I'm from the tribe of Ben. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I accepted my calling. So it is a lot. Of, most of the, the disciples who turned to, who became apostles were Jewish. We're not saying all Jews are now out. Uh, just, we just want to 
make sure, even sometimes my language may sound that way. Hopefully you know it wasn't that way. It was always a remnant. So not to think that all Jews somehow are evil or something. That's not the case. But God disciplined them. That's between them and God. Let God deal with that. Point B. Yes, the way it worked out was Israel rejected their Messiah. And the timing for God to build the church was perfect. And that's where I, I was just telling you, it's a, it's a timing thing. So Galatians 4, 4 through 6, right? Let's look at it. Uh, it just worked out that way. But when, right, when the time set, when the set time had fully come. So God had his own time timetable for the church. Now, first of all, it had to be, and I'm just looking back. Now, I couldn't look forward and tell you this, but I could look back and tell you this because of hindsight. Is that Christ had to come, and he had to live his life of righteousness, which he did before the Father. He had to die for the sins of the world. And he had, but before all that, he had to prepare those disciples for this new age. All that work was upon Christ while he was here walking around. And he did it. He, the verse we're in in John 17 says, I have finished the work you gave me to do. And what work is that? I have called them. I've given them. I've chosen the ones you told me to choose. I've given them your word. They've accepted it. They believe. All this, right? Christ did the work necessary. So, when the set time, this is Galatians 4, 4, when the set time had fully come, this is God's, God, he's, he's not wearing a watch or he didn't have an alarm. He knew when that time had to come because Christ not only had to be uh, crucified on the cross, but he had to be resurrected because the church is identified not with the Christ who was here on earth walking around and we're identified with the resurrected Christ, the one who is glorified. That's who we're identified with now. So that's why it says, oh, you have been seated with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So, so our identification with Christ sets us way far above all principalities and powers and titles and dominions. And, and we are seated in Christ, in the heavenly realms. So all of that had to happen before God could call out those many sons and the glory. So when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that he might receive adoption, That no, no, that we might receive adoption to sonship. That adoption to sonship is unique. Now, we have already identified adoption. This is not just like, you know, two parents who are lonely and they go down and they want to, they, they say, well, we're going to adopt a child because we want to have a child. You know, maybe could be some issues that the mother, the, the mother couldn't have or the, the woman couldn't have any children. So they said, well, we're going to adopt a child. All that happens in the world today, and we use the word adoption. But Paul understood this from the standpoint of Roman-style adoption. Roman-style adoption is the greatest transfer of wealth and power. That's what it was about. It wasn't about, oh, well, I want to just have a, a son. No, it was about, I want to have an heir. I want somebody who is going to come after me who is going to do everything I have. Uh, he's going to manage everything I have. An heir, right? It's the greatest transfer of wealth and power when we think about Roman-style adoption. And he's talking about us. We are sons now. So, uh, verse 6. Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. And that's the Spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So we might as well continue in verse 7. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. 
there you are. We have, how did we get to be his child? Well, it's adoption to sonship, where now, because of that, we are heirs. Now notice, it doesn't say, like it does in Romans 8, and co-heirs with Christ. It just leaves it here at we are heirs. Now, what happened in Romans 8 is true. If you suffer with him, you will be glorified. But there were two, it just shows you there are two things going on in uh, Romans 8, not just one. One is the fact that we're heirs of God, and secondly, that we could be co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his suffering. So here, Paul only mentions our heirship. He doesn't mention our co-heirship. So back to our notes. Right, so Israel rejected their Messiah. The timing was perfect, and, and God brought forth the church. Point C. God was not frustrated with Israel, so the church was plan B. So that's how a lot of people think about this. And the reason I'm, I'm laboring here a little bit is because I want you really to see the church uh, as plan A. This is, this is God's magnum opus. This is the biggest thing God ever did. This is the greatest thing God ever did because... This is what hinges on all creation. What he is doing in the church right now, calling out these many sons, is the reason for all things. So I just want you to make sure you're oriented. And that God, it, look, it could look like God is frustrated with Israel, and so now he's turning to you, you Gentiles, you church. That wrong thinking, that is not the right way to think about it. And I just want to make sure, every chance I get to point that out, the church was, was always, uh, the church was and is chosen. Quote, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That's Ephesians 1.4. So God dealt with, this is point D, God dealt with the unbelief in Israel for many generations. Now just think, he labored with them. Uh, so it is, no, it is not a surprise to God that branches had to be broken off, right? So and I, I have the reference here of Acts 7, 51 and 52. But if you go to Acts 7, um, I'm going to just turn there. You, I always key in on these two verses, right? I'm just, let's go ahead and read them since we're in. He says, you stiff, 51, you stiff-necked people. Sounds like I'm cursing, right? But I'm not. This is what the Word of God says. You stiff-necked people. You, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. So, so these people, now this is toward the end of the narrative about what happened to Stephen. But if you go back, Stephen gave a long sermon to these Jews, all about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and how they were in Egypt, and all. Oh, he gave a, a long history before he got down to verses 15. So if you have a chance and you want to read that just for the sake of understanding fully the context, that would be good. But um, just note, all of that is not to say just, oh, okay, um, the, church is, the church is plan B, Israel was plan A. Uh, Israel was before the church, but it is not plan A, it is plan B. If, if we even really, that's not true. I have to back that up. Israel is also plan A because everything that happens as a result of God calling the church is in support of that. So there is no plan B for God. There's just plan A. Forgive me. Okay, so point, uh, point D. God, let's see what our time is here. Yeah, okay. So... God dealt with the unbelief in Israel for many generations. 
So it is not a surprise to God that branches. Oh, that's actually that's where we just left off. Sorry, that God that branches are broken off. Point E: Not all in Israel rejected Christ. The disciples were all Jewish, including Paul. Right. So I'm throwing in Isaiah 28:14 uh, just to note because it had to do with what. Let's just let's let let the Bible say what it is. Isaiah 28:14 says, "Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers, who rule this people in Jerusalem." So it wasn't just, "Oh, there's some people in Israel who reject Christ." No, it was the leadership of Israel, the very ones who were to lead the rulers. And they're the ones who rejected Christ. And so did a lot of people in the nation. But it's mainly the, the idea was the rulers who rule this people. And then in 1 Corinthians, which I don't have in the notes, but there's another reference to this. Uh, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And it says, uh, talks about verse 7. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age, notice the rulers of this age, who are they? The Jews understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. See, so, so the rulers are the ones that had, uh, that formally rejected Christ as a nation. He came to his own, his own nation, and they, his own nation rejected him. It wasn't that a few people in the nation rejected him. It was the leadership in that nation rejected Christ. Okay, so we are at a point where we have a few points left. We won't be able to finish them all, and certainly not. We will cover these next week. But what we will do, we'll pause at this point to see if there are any questions or thoughts about anything we covered uh, tonight or any other night. So the floor is open. So, all right, I don't hear anyone. So, that must mean everybody's okay. So, in that case, <laughs> no, I wouldn't, I'm not going to ever claim that. Could we, could we do more? Yes, we could certainly do more. But, um, if not, then, you know, we, we don't have to take the extra time. So be it. But what I, I'll just stress. But just, 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 just to note, when, when you think about um, the church uh, being grafted in, do we, like, of course, like, we have hindsight now. We can look back and see where things occurred. Did the church know? at the time of the transfer that that was going on? Um, I, well, yes and no. <clears throat> yes and no. I mean, Jesus gave, gave clear instructions to the disciples. You will be my witnesses. And, you know, he said, wait until you receive power from on high, which is wait here at Jerusalem. Uh, you should be my witnesses in Judea and all these different places in Samaria. And he was telling them. And then there's the Matthew passage, uh, Matthew 28. If you look at what, so, but your question is not so much what did, uh, what did the Bible say, but more so um, what did the, those who were early in the early church, what did they think? So Jesus said, "Right, when the transition occurred, you know, um, did, did I'm, I'm sure Israel felt like people were breaking away from them, and I'm assuming that 
those who broke away from them felt like they were entering into a new era, but we don't have any real confirmation on, I mean, we, we, we see the, the discourse, uh, and we see, you know, the, the, the struggle and them that went back to, to, to the is to, to the mosaic law. And, you know, we get statements like who cut in on you, you were running a good race, things of that nature. But we, we don't, we don't really have clarification of how that transition, uh, entered into the minds of those who was being left and those who was gaining. Well, I think, uh, I don't, I wouldn't say we don't have clarification because we, we got the direction from God to tell us what our responsibilities were. And then as we, the church continued on, we had our instructions in writing even, not just the temporary spiritual gifts given to guide us before the canon of scripture came. But as the canon of scripture was written, all of that was contained in there about what our responsibilities are. Um, and listen, I would say I could be very understanding of Israel were it not for a couple of things. Um, when I say that, I mean, look, if a new dispensation started and they were questioning it, I can understand them questioning it. I, I could wait, whoa, wait a minute. What are you saying here is happening? You're saying we are not under the Mosaic Law? We've been under the Mosaic Law for over 1,400 years, and now you're telling me that we're not under the Mosaic Law? Uh, I, I don't... I, that's You're tell, talking about a new way of life. So Jesus was preparing those disciples. As we read in... Uh, John 14 through 17, we saw that discourse. It helps us understand that when he, the spirit of truth, comes, it's going to be a new way of life, a new spiritual dynamic. But So the, the preparation was there, but we could say that they were slow to believe, and I understand that. And so I, I would say I could certainly understand and Israel's... Um, drawing back from the church and saying, wait a minute, what about us, right? How are you going to change things? So, but there were two things I would say. One is the fact that, as against Israel, is that they had come to not believe the gospel. Okay, that's, that was bad. In fact, it, just like Paul says in uh, Romans 10, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites for Israel is that they may be saved. They might be saved. He was saying they were lost. He understood they were lost. And listen, that's bad. The fact that they would be trying to be justified by the works of the law. They had allowed grace to depart from their theology. It was not a part of their theology, which is bad. Okay, so that's one thing. And then two... You know, let's say a person did believe, and then they still have problems with this church thing. Now you're saying we should be in the in the body of Jews and Gentiles. So those Jews in Acts chapter 15 were saying, okay, we believe in Christ. However, we still think the way of life is the Mosaic Law, and you still need to be circumcised. They just said, you know what? You just need to become a convert of Judaism. So we're not the second thing that I would have to say against Israel is these signs, the wonders, the miracles that were done in their presence, not only with Christ, but with the disciples, it clearly marked out the direction of God. It, it was clear that this is the way that God was, was moving. So now Israel, your nation was formed through signs, wonders, and miracles. And when you see the, the hand of God moving now in this direction, then we, we got to know that God, this is his will. This is not some aberration or something that's going to come and go, in the, you know, like some of the other false messiahs who came along. And this is for real. So, for, were it not for those two things, that they were not paying attention. One, they weren't saved, as we read in Acts 7, right? They had a history of rejecting grace 
and killing the prophets, right? God couldn't even talk to them. They said, shut up, God. We don't want to hear from you. And then the fact that they would not bend to God's power, which is signs, wonders, and miracles. Like Nicodemus said, we know that you are from God because nobody can do the things you're doing except God is with them, right? So the direction of the signs, the wonders, the miracles, not only of Jesus, but all the apostles, demonstrate that we're on the right path here. We're not, you know, we didn't come up with some cleverly invented stories that we are following the direction of God for real. So did the church believe it or understand all of this in its inception? No, no. The church age came, the spirit came, the apostles led out, but gradually we learned through the apostles. The apostles were taught, they blazed the trail, and yes, it took time for, for the church to come to the knowledge of the truth. So we would say the church was in an infancy period. So it's just like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, when I was a child, I thought as a child. I reasoned as a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. So the church, well, there he's talking about the temporary spiritual gifts used to guide the church in its infancy. Well, once we grew up, we don't need those. We got the completed canon of scripture. We got the full revelation of God in writing. Don't need to depend on those temporary spiritual gifts anymore. So, but as the church has its own maturation process, it could go from infancy all the way to maturity. So we, we, we talk about a mature church, you know, that has reached the fullness and stature of Christ, but you judge for yourself where the church is today, whether they are in the infancy or are they grown up. You judge. We're talking about as a whole. <laughs> uh, we got problems still. Uh, we even got problems with the gospel. The church is de debating about whether or not it's grace, whether or not you're saved after you know permanently after you believe in Christ. So I'll pause. Other thoughts out there? I hear some background noise. Just to think about the question that I asked, it brings the scripture to mind about how how God was telling them not to be um, when they came to the knowledge of who they were in Christ, giving them such a high position. And I think you uh, forget exactly how the scripture goes to, for them not to be arrogant, but you can grasp them in again or something like that. You know, scripture I'm referring to. Yeah, right there with Romans 11, where we are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So well, he he could well, discipline. Well, he, he, does, he gives them a little direction on on, on how to be uh, think about their uh, their new position. Right. And and just know this position was not created for us. It was created for Israel. So it doesn't belong to us. We are filling in, <laughs> as it were, uh, temporarily. Israel has this position. This is there. Uh, and they, they're going to continue to, they had it before, they're going to continue to have it. This is part of their calling, not ours. We are filling in. So don't be arrogant. And just like it says, if they don't, they're going to be grafted back in again. Right? So don't, at one point, some point in the future, they will be grafted in. And we are going to be taken out of this world. So um, in this we're getting to all those scriptures that, that you're talking about. But the grafting in, just make sure we uh, don't see the grafting in as salvation. I have seen so many people talk about this grafting process and then relate it somehow to salvation. So now they can use those words. Oh, so if you, you're grafted in, you can be broken off. And as long as if you have unbelief, you can be broken off. Well, no. No, no, that's not what we're talking about. Uh, that's not the context. Uh, we need to pay attention to the context in order to understand the words that are used. Yeah. 
I'll pause. Uh, other thoughts out there before we close? Thank you, Bill, for, for those thoughts. All right. Let's call it. Let's, let's look to the Lord. Thank you, Father, for this time you've given us. We appreciate the admonitions that are here for us about our attitude as those who are ambassadors for Christ, those who are ministers of reconciliation. Thank you for uh, giving us this blessing, this responsibility and teaching us the understanding of uh, the good news. And uh, we thank you that you, we can come, Father, uh, with humility, just like Christ when he was here, <clears throat> and so that we could come to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior and walk worthy of the calling that we have received. Thank you for those who are here. We pray for wisdom and that you will continue to challenge us by the scriptures that are before us to grow to know more to understand who we are uh, and following the spirit of truth as our guide it's in christ's name we pray amen 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 amen, amen.